0: Welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from the leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now, here are your hosts, Joel Harder and Drew Null. All right, welcome everyone to the Digitally Connected Podcast. I'm Drew Knoll.
1: And I'm Joel Harder. And thanks for joining us. What we want to talk about today is really kind of looking back on how much has changed over the last year and the whole concept of what we're really talking about on Digitally Connected. Over the last year in particular, just the the impact of digital transformation, the use of digital communication in our everyday lives, but also in work and every aspect of how we're living and what we're doing has become not just a thing for techie people. It's not just a thing for for the tech industry. It's it's, it's all of us now. And tonight, as we're recording this, it actually marks the one-year anniversary of when the COVID pandemic really came into our nation. And it just occurred to me while you and I were getting ready to record that that event that really kicked it off uh, was, if you remember, the Jazz were in Oklahoma City to play the Thunder and we were sitting out on our patio and and the Thunder played just like two miles from us. And a friend of ours who worked in the state government texted us and and said, a jazz player tested positive they're canceling the game. And that was it. And and we're off. And so, um, and here we are one year later, and so much has changed. So much has transformed. What I, what we want to do tonight is just kind of walk back through this year and look at, all that's changed and, and really how do people navigate just those those early days, those early early weeks and months, the sudden adaptation to dispersed workforces, using digital communications to do work and to connect with friends and family. And then kind of moving into that that second phase as we thought we might be coming out of this, but no, this is gonna go longer. And, and now yeah. uh, here we are a year later and just, what has it been like? What has this experience of walking through this been for both kind of leaders and management, C suite companies, organizational leaders, them walking through that process, and then just team members getting that yeah. first email?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been a crazy year. And, and you know, I, I sit kind of in the middle of that, right? In terms of, uh, I'm a contributor to our organization. You know, for uh, I work in a tech startup. And so I'm a leader in our sales team as well as obviously i i'm uh, you know i have those that that i report up to and, and it was a it was definitely a an interesting time i think it was even it was especially interesting at the beginning of the pandemic you know because a lot of people didn't even recognize it as a pandemic and, you know, in, in full retrospect, I probably was one of those that diminished it, you know, and downplayed it a little bit somewhat out of naivety, but also just out of, uh, you know, I think there's a personal preservation and denial as well, you know, yeah, not wanting yeah. to admit that it might be as bad as, as it could be or has it's, it's been.
1: Def, it's definitely in my interest that it's not real. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, for lots of reasons. And so I think that a lot of people were in that same boat, I definitely I, I can speak for uh, our organization and a lot of others. You know, no very few organizations made the 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 complete paradigm shift day one. March March 12, everybody didn't completely transition everybody offsite. Right. You know, business continuity and those kinds of things and disaster management are obviously things that everyone plans for. But when you think about, you know, business continuity and disaster management, you're thinking, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, natural disasters, those kinds of things. Very few have a, I would be shocked if more than a few companies in the country, uh, you know, had pandemic as a part of their business continuity plan and you know and and what do we do so you know i think a lot of it was folks just you know at the beginning didn't have an idea of what that looked like and then you know i I can remember back thinking okay it's just the flu uh you know we we got a quarantine for two you know we got the stay at home thing for two weeks like flatten the curve in two weeks and then everything will go back to normal you know, and then two weeks turn into eight, into two months, into six months. And we're starting to, you know, I mean, here in Texas, we've lifted mass mandates and folks can go back to businesses at, at, you know, whatever capacity they feel comfortable with. And, you know, obviously people have varying degrees of what they feel about that. But, you know, I think initially people didn't do much except for what they absolutely had to to maintain, bu- you know, and maintain their business operation, right? Because you got you to keep whatever you're doing going but I think a lot of people were, were just riding it out, trying. They, they put temporary types of measures in place.
1: You're absolutely right that in those in those very very first few weeks, depending on what you're doing, if it's a manufacturing operation, uh, you know, I mean, you've got right you got certain things that you you've you've got to have people in doing, and so you, you're yep. starting to triage and prioritize. Okay, well, well, who needs to come in? I think back to those early days and the the phrase that was so. Present in everybody's collective mind, certainly in mine, was this idea of an essential worker. Yeah. That that was well, you know. Absolutely. We're hearing essential workers. There's nothing for me to go do. Am I an essential worker? I I have no idea. And so this is this is playing on people's minds too. What is essential? Well, everybody's everybody's work, everybody's business is essential. Uh, If you're a small business owner, your company's essential. If it's your job, I mean, that's essential. And so that became this kind of psychological dilemma and everybody's starting to think through that as well. Let's go back and actually just recognizing that there was different kinds of approaches to how they phased in or phased out people coming into the office. We also got to the point where a large majority of the workforce was not coming into the office, was shifting to remote. Correct, so yeah. let's let's think about, go back to that moment, you get that email or you get that phone call, that text message, don't come into the office. Yep. What w- what were those next few days and weeks and months like for team members? Let's not talk about leaders yet, just team members.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it was extremely challenging uh, for lots of reasons because I think you can't look at the, the team member, the, the individual contributor in a vacuum, right, because while they're being told don't come into the office, you're going to work remote for the next week, the next two weeks, the next month, whatever, simultaneously and in parallel, you know, schools are, they're they're going virtual, which a year ago, nobody knew what the heck that meant. We're doing virtual learning? Like, what what is that? I know for me personally, when I thought of virtual learning, I hearkened back to my art appreciation class in my undergrad that I took online and struggled to make a C in the past, um, you know, because... For me, you know, online learning at that level, and if we're just being completely honest, I wasn't the most due diligent and, you know, I didn't apply myself as well as I could in that class. But for me, I, you know, at the time, you know, my, my oldest is in first grade. I'm not a first grade teacher, but so I think people were balancing both. What do you do with your kid? Because, you know, most people's routine is drop the kids off at school or daycare and then you go to work and while you're at work, you're, wholly committed, you know, at least from an attention standpoint, all I have to do is focus on what I'm doing at work, you know, and then I clock out or leave and go pick up the kids and do the kids. And, you know, there's, there's a very delineated structure to to folks days. And so I think that a lot of folks early on were, there was just so many unknowns. Uh, You know, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Not only do we have a first grader that I'm, I'm trying to work. Um, And teach a first grader. And, you know, I've got twin three year olds that, you know, their daycare shut down. You know, some daycares stayed open. But, you know, as a parent, you're having to weigh, well, do in the midst of this disease that we know at that time literally nothing about, you know, do I send my kids to daycare or do I keep them home? And if I keep them home, I think a lot of people were just struggling to just work. Period. Get any work done, right. uh, and and I think for those, you know, depending on what your job security level was to start with, I think a lot of people were were probably uh, very anxious about trying to maintain a level of performance because layoffs happened, you know, and, and so you're, you know, you're trying to maintain your level of performance so that you stay, you know, you stay at the top of the stack rank. So if, you know, if cuts happen, then you've got a better shot at surviving. Um, So I I think it was just a lot of unknown and anxiety that people were experiencing in that.
1: Well, and now we can kind of shift and think about it through the lens of, of the people making the decisions for companies or for the organization. They're making some decisions about, you know how are we going to begin to engage and mobilize and recruit people to begin to work and be productive those early yeah. days they also had acknowledged that their team members were making decisions about daycare and how we're going to handle school for our kids and so yeah. um if you had really good leadership they were thinking about things like that but eventually you've got to start thinking about, okay, how do we start really getting our team and managing this idea of a, of a remote team? You know, a, yeah. a, a dispersed workforce. How do we manage a remote team to be productive and move the ball forward? Some of the best leaders I've talked to, and I've asked them, you know, walk me through those early days. Uh, I was talking to a president of a university, and he mentioned to me, I had to really understand what my role is. As the president of the university, I need to understand my job as the chief executive officer and the number one spokesperson for the mission of this entity. I had to really understand what that role meant, what it was, and I had to work with my leadership team to say, "How do we not lose our mission?" Uh, Yeah, we got to change. Got to change operations. Got to change. Uh, approaches and techniques uh, right. rapidly change our communications, but stay very mission centered. Triage is the best term I can come up with. I mean, they, you've got oh, to tri- you gotta triage what it is, is absolutely necessary and vital to accomplish your mission, whether that's delivering services, if you're a nonprofit organization serving a certain population, whether it's manufacturing the widgets, <laughs> you know, whatever your core right. mission is. Right. Um, yep. what is it and how do we begin moving forward and keeping that mission and the decisions became what are the different modes in which we operate what are the different approaches there's been a lot of good insights that's come out of the last year from leaders and organizational leaders there's also been some yeah. good research and data that we've learned a lot but companies um, recognize you know i have a product line that i can't do anything with right now but I have all the raw materials to launch a new product. Um, And so we did see some invention of of new product. We did see some innovation in in business practices. Yeah. Um, uh, My favorite
0: got, one there is a lot of these distilleries that started yeah. making disinfe you know, uh, yeah. a, you know, uh, hand sanitizer and stuff like that. Because the bars are shutting down, so their alcohol sales aren't going anywhere. But they said, "Well, heck, you know, alcohol kills stuff, so let's make hand sanitizer." It, and
1: absolutely, and cracks me up that it, it's a perfectly clear liquid, but it smells just like bourbon when you spray it on your hands. Right. <laughs> but that's a marketing well, tactic, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> When it comes to the actual digital communications we're through that initial shock of this event people are starting to, to get a, a normal routine in place plans are in place to educate your kids whatever that looks like for me yeah. man I, I'm not a first grade teacher my my goal was was math, phonics and working on four hands in the backyard. I mean that was that was all that was all we worked on but you, you hit some of that down and now you're you're looking at May. We kind of thought, well, we'd be coming out of this for sure by May. Yeah. But now yeah. it's starting to register both in leadership and in team members. This is going to go on longer. Um, yeah. Around May, June, there's a shift that's taking place. One of the shifts I saw from a leadership policy level is uh, some companies and organizations were starting to make really long, long sweeping decisions. We are, Mm -hmm. uh, we are not coming back in person until 2021 right? and and we're, one of the reasons to, to do that and you might say, man, that, that, that seems like a long time and we may still be, you get out of this by the fall, but it creates some stability too.
0: That's exactly right. It's such a dynamic paradigm shift to, to go from, you know, a collective workforce, if you will, you know, everybody going to the office kind of scenario to, you know, a disparate distant workforce that there has to be even the the people that claim that i don't like routines i don't do the same thing you know i brush my teeth you know different everyday kind of people everybody is you need routine and structure to to, to thrive i know an organization we that we made that decision pretty early on for those that could you know we we manufacture and do R d in in-house so we have guys that have to go in but for those of us that you know can work remotely we made that call pretty early on you know for a long period for that exact reason because people just needed to be able to get into a routine and know right. okay for the you know i mean going week to week being a lead and you know, like i said i sit in that leader and contributor role and every friday i'm going okay <laughs> am i going into the office monday or not and what am i doing with you know like if i am gonna go i gotta figure out something with the kids so you're absolutely right you know i mean and there's even organization i mean google for instance their folks aren't going back until twenty two. That was yeah. their that was their announcement. You know, they they pushed everybody home, uh, or, or pushed out the you know everybody working remotely through 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 the end of this year, and then they're gonna you know they're gonna plan to revisit. And you had some of those leaders in in industry were some of the first that started making more definitive decisions to long term to do that, and then you started seeing other folks follow suit uh, with it. But then that brought its a whole other host of challenges along with it. You went talking about the actual digital infrastructure. There were lots of issues with cloud, you know, service providers and those kinds of things because people were accessing, yeah, they're accessing their information differently. The platforms like this, you know, teleconference platforms and all those kinds of things were really taxed because people were having to use them. Whereas, you know, before if I needed to find out something or have a meeting, it's like, hey, there's donuts in the conference room and everybody huddles up, you know, right. and now it's hey, we've all got to get on a on a Zoom or a Teams or a GoToMeeting or, you know, whatever other platform you might be using. And I, I haven't done the, the study, but I would I would be interested to see, you know, what the spike in, in uh, or the percentage of people increasing their home internet bandwidth, you know, in the first couple months of the pandemic. Because I know, I know everybody on my team did, myself included, you know, because we're trying to have, you know, conference calls with, you know, 10, 15, 20 people. And it's, choppy and terrible and your audio is awful and it's like well heck I guess you know I gotta I gotta up my pipe a little bit here so I can you know have better connectivity and those kinds of things you know so but having those long sweeping decisions allowed people to make some of those changes to what they needed to do to everyday life to know okay this is how it's gonna be and that massively improved people's productivity because I think that the you know people not knowing I mean, there are people working on card tables in their, in their kitchen because, well, I don't have a home office right now, and I don't want to completely rearrange my house to, to set up an office space for me, so I'm just going to hang out here in the midst of the chaos of the rest of my house going on trying to work. Once those people's companies made the decision like, hey, we're going to do this for a while, whether it's you know, six months, a year, whatever, a lot of people at that point were able to, you know, to make some changes to their, their environment and their physical setup and then just get into that routine
1: decisions and and communicating expectations for etiquette and how we're going to operate using video conferencing platforms i started to see around june guidance coming out from from different tech consultants about this is how you do a zoom meeting well you know we talked a little earlier about there were some invention and innovation in maybe Mm -hmm. business models practices product lines when it came to the to the tech platforms there wasn't a whole lot of invention. When you surveyed businesses and and workers and and consumers as well, it was adoption. That's where you really saw people were adopting and using and learning how to use. It is true, like a a video conferencing meeting can be really, really bad and not effective, not not, um, efficient. It can also be really, really, really good. Um, absolutely. It's, it has, yeah. it, and the platform is no different. It's how well do you use it? How well, the, like in, like with yeah. zoom, you know, how well do you use the breakout room function? If you use the breakout function room really well, you can actually really increase your productivity and, and contribution and absolutely people on your team, uh, you also started to see because that decision was made and this is what, how we're going to operate. People are thinking about cybersecurity and depending yeah. on the type of, of data big. and information that you have you're putting in uh, the kinds of protocols and policies in place they already kind of had them in place so that data was protected uh, proprietary data was was protected but there's a lot more communication of yeah. um, of what those policies are because now there's an increased expectation that you're going to go you're gonna work go ahead and use these VPNs in different kinds of ways that you can securely access your data, but still work. So communication's increasing about the policies, about the approach, and we're settling in to to working this way. And it was really kind of at this time that that you saw kind of a culture shift to in companies and organizations. Leaders in the organizations that navigated that time well leaders became much more accessible and much more communicative. Oh, uh, no, absolutely. I, I, I was talking with a company here in Oklahoma that already had a, a distributed workforce and they probably 40% of their team is at their headquarters in Tulsa and 60% of their teams all over the state. And they would do coffee with the CEO kind of things. They do them once a month, you know, 12 people to show up. They've been right. doing them for years. They started doing, the exact same thing, the exact same content platform, everything that they're doing in those, they had thirty percent, forty percent, seventy percent of their of their team is tuning in and participating, and the leadership became much more transparent. There's a vulnerability too. They're, sure. They're they're communicating the on the ground reality of the company and the health, and because all of this is now very very pressing questions in the minds of employees and team members yep. communication and clarity and transparency really increased in this time and people just got better at using the yeah. the digital platforms to to work and communicate and collaborate
0: you hit the nail on the head in terms of it was a top down it, it had to, you know the companies that navigated it really well it was a top down you know approach or 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 it was uh, you know the adoption was you know was top down what i mean by that is the leadership of the organization embraced it, you know, in terms of, because uh, it's not, you know, I, 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 there are some people that, to your point, really, really, really struggle, uh, or struggled, you know, navigating the tech. Depending on your age and, you know, and how often you use this type of tech, take for granted that, well, it's not hard, just get on the Zoom, you know, or get on the Teams, get on the GoToMeeting. Uh, You know, but for for folks that that are very interpersonal, they thrive on that connection and that, you know, reading the nonverbals and all those kinds of things. I still don't get the same satisfaction out of having a, you know, a meeting over a teleconference call that I do sitting in the same office or the same conference room with somebody. It's better than not having any meeting with them or any connection with them. But it's not the same. And for leaders, there's a big comfort level for a lot of leaders to be able to actually go to somebody and talk to them face to face and feel like they're engaging in their lead. Like leaders had to learn how to lead differently via the the, the new the new mediums of our, our connectivity. Not only was it a shift for the worker, but th- learning how to lead effectively and inspire people and Keep people motivated. Take everything that was going on socially, you know, with the pandemic and everything else that was going on. But just being able to motivate people via this type of technology was a was a very large shift uh, for a lot of people. And to your point, the availability. I, I think the leaders that did it well made themselves extraordinarily available. You know, and, and learned along with their folks. You know, like to say, you know, it was it was okay to say, hey. <laughs> I'm learning too, you know, like we're gonna get through this, you know, uh, we'll get better. you know, a lot of companies offered training to their folks on, um, you know, Hey, let's, you know, we'll take, you know, whether it's the it department or HR or whoever we'll take, you know, we'll run 30 minute little training seminars on, you know, as, as basic as it felt like this is how you log into our teleconferencing platform. Here's how you share your screen. Here's how you choose the actual screen you want to share, yeah. not the inappropriate picture that you probably shouldn't have up anyway, but just in case, like, don't share that, you know, like, they they roll through the basics like that for folks. And I think what you saw as, to your point, you know, as companies started actually adopting policies around it and adopting training around it and really, really embracing the technology, you started seeing, you know, companies really start to flourish, um, you know, and, there's tons of benefits to 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 having people work from home. Um, you know that I think companies are starting, especially when you're talking about you know operating a business in an economic. You know, because the reality is the you know the 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 the, the health crisis led to an economic crisis. You know, businesses are shutting down and um, you know revenues not coming in because of all the things going on. You know, one of the biggest line items in any business is their overhead on, 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 uh, on their physical space, you know, whether it's their leasing space or their you know depreciating a mortgage asset or you know whatever the case may be. Well, if I can figure out how to navigate my business without having to have so much space, that's a big plus for me. So I think a lot of leaders started seeing that, um, you know, and realizing like may, may, maybe we can leverage this to, to really benefit us in lots of ways. Um, and I think because they saw that, it motivated them to really start to embrace the, the idea a whole lot more.
1: Well, that kind of moves us into the last part of the year, getting to where we are now. Now we're thinking about the future, and we're starting right. to see some of those benefits, cost savings and value added. And there, were, there was increases in efficiency and productivity. Yeah, absolutely. One of the wonderful things about video conferencing is that meetings can become much more on point. Yeah. You know, you yes, you do lose some of the relationship building and culture of, of just being able to chit chat and talk about this, that, the other around the table before and after the meeting. Yeah. But you also that's also a lot of time wasted. And oh, absolutely, and the meeting, yeah. meetings started becoming a lot more focused and productive. And we're we're thinking now, you know, long term. There's some stuff here that we had to do because of a unique emergency situation that the whole world experienced you know our company experience our organization did as well but there's some things here we don't need to lose um yeah There's some ways that we need to actually probably invest more in some of this we kind of want to shift a little bit into let's talk about some of the lessons learned and we're going to have future episodes drew where, yeah. where we're going to dive a, a lot more into this i got a chance to work on a, a statewide case study to really get a good snapshot of what did people experience? What did we learn? What can we learn about the sudden adaptation to using digital communication platforms during this time of COVID? One of the things that we learned is you mentioned it, that leaders said, hey, I'm here with you, I'm learning too, I'm embracing this. There's kind of a a little bit of a myth out there that this is just a purely generational thing and that mm-hmm. the older generations are just like, I just don't like this. This is just, this isn't the way to really do this. Doesn't really necessarily bear itself out. Um, and right. and there are some folks, top level leaders, older generation, still some builders <laughs> generation in there, boomers for sure, that walked away saying, this really can work. Uh, using digital platforms to effectively meet with my leadership team and go down in, in the different leadership Mentoring, development of your team leads, and all the way down to dispersed teams themselves. Yeah, it does work, uh, and and yeah. and I know some CEOs that just completely changed their tune. And and to that, you know, I, absolutely, I never I will never embrace FaceTime or a video conference over over an in person. And they don't think that way anymore. We're also seeing companies, organizations telling us that they are investing in their digital infrastructure moving forward. That uh, even if there is some shifting back to uh, operating practices that existed before the pandemic, they're not going to do away with the things that they've learned. And they recognize that we need to invest in our infrastructure and make it even stronger and better moving forward. Not just rely on it in a, oh crap, you know, emergency situation. Right. Uh, this right. is not. This is not just a business continuity plan. This is going to be part of what we do. But one of the really interesting things that we learned that's going to kind of tee us up to to talk a little bit about where we're going to go from here. We asked from entry level workers all the way to to CEOs and business owners. Post COVID, post emergency, work from home uh, conditions. What what is your work from home or remote work preference? And we gave them a whole lot of options. We'll give you 10 flex days a year. And you should use them whenever you want or need to. All the way to, I want to work full time from home. I never want to do this ever again. Yeah. Uh, the largest majority and almost half of our respondents said, I want to work remotely two to three days per week. Yeah. And And that is indicating th- this is a trend as we move forward into the labor market there is going to be an increasing expectation among uh, the labor market for people wanting to have the option to work from home and not just a couple days part of their everyday, weekly routine two to three days a week i can come into the office and do these things and i can not be in the office to do a whole lot of other stuff yeah well
0: i think you're going to see companies embrace that because, you know, I mean, happy employees are productive employees, right? You know, a company that is is committed to a culture that imbues that into their employees and their staff, they're gonna look to see what's gonna satisfy my folks. And, and if that's the case, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I mean, if you, if you take that stand alone, two to three days a week, right? So if the goal is to allow staff to work from home two to three days a week, that means that uh, in essence, I need half of the space that I would normally need for my standard workforce. Right. Because, you know, if, if you and I, you know, if you and I share a desk, we work at the same company and we're gonna work two to three days a week, okay. You basically go back to high school block scheduling. You got A days and B days, you know, and this week, you know, on A days I'm in the office, B days you're in the office, and then we swap. You and I can share the exact same desk space. Yep. You know, and so what a company is going to have to invest in terms of their, uh, you know, their their actual infrastructure in the building, they they legitimately can cut that operating cost in half. And it's not an or it's not a trade off. They get that they get to cut, you know, operational expenses as well as improve their customers or their, uh, you know, the company's morale, their productivity. And, you know, I, I think that's really what you're going to start seeing shifts in as well as. Their talent pool opens significantly, right. I know we as a startup, you know we'll find talent uh, and, and just rock stars in terms of what they do, but they're out of market and they don't want to relocate. you know and prior, a lot of of companies, well, if you're not going to be in this you know like you've got to be in the same city as the company because you got to come, we want you coming in every day and we want to see your face and all of that stuff. So you would have to forego really high quality talent because of that fact. Well, Now you know if they're more open to that idea, you might have scenarios where you know companies can really open up their talent pool and really start. I I, I will be very intrigued to see how that shifts the the workforce. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, and there's probably a little bit of a lag that the the the, the workforce has recognized this is something that we want and they're, they're, yeah. that, that expectation is going to, is probably a little stronger and companies, organizations, they're, they're probably not quite at that same level yet. And so over the next few years, that gap is going to narrow as yeah, as uh, leadership and companies kind of get caught up and figure out really what's going to work for them. But that's well, going
0: to be a lever I, in we'll, negotiations.
1: But I think that's going to be the key is that they're going to recognize yeah. I have the opportunity. What, was a a block to saying yes to a great prospect and them saying yes to me really was an artificial block. It's not something that really really had to be there. Um, Exactly. And so that'll kind of get caught up. You also just look at it from the side of society and our nation and just obviously industry specific, obviously job specific, this isn't true of everything, but for a great number of professional jobs, office jobs, 10, 15 years from now, the idea of having to relocate my family because of a job might not nearly be as common a thing that people are thinking about. So now you can choose where you want to live based upon a whole other list of priorities for yourself and your family, the ability for ex not true rural areas. Fifty miles out of out of town of a, of a metroplex urban center, those kinds of communities are going to have an opportunity to grow because people are going to want to live in a place like that and raise a family there. Or I don't have to move away from family. Um, I can yeah. I can stay closer to family. So it's not just man a company and a a hiring manager is going to see the opportunity to get really high talented quality people, but just culturally, we're all going to be able to be making a lot different kinds of decisions that we may find ourselves much happier.
0: You've been listening to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew Null. Make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new content we'll be dropping regularly. If you enjoyed the content today, give us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next
1: time.